No, he didn't slam you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing, the interviews podcast. We are recording yet another interview with yet another superstar. Uh, I'm Peter Walker-Wilkinson and this is Braden Martin on his phone. How are you going, mate? Pretty good, pretty good. It's yeah, a go, nice early Sunday morning and um, yeah, nice and fresh. For those playing at home, it's Daylight Savings Day. So my phone decided it was in Sydney and I thought I was running late for the podcast, but I was actually running early, so it's all good. <laughs> Uh, but to joining us today is the pun master himself, David Haynes. How are you going? I'm quite good. I think I've not wanted to be on this podcast and then asked to be on this podcast, <laughs> and now I'm finally on this podcast. That's only taken to season two. So you are the start of the whole Nathan Verney hosting uh, controversy that happened back in day one. And I believe it was just, well, that was like half a year ago now, wasn't it, Braden? Yeah, time flies. Yeah, so I didn't even know who was on it. Now you, you're claiming that... So I was telling on stream the other day, okay, we'll go on a quick story about... You make fun of us about being in the hobby section, which is fair enough. We're up against Better Homes and Gardens or something like that. <laughs> the reason I went to hobbies podcasts instead of gaming podcasts is because there's a selection of the community that gets really cranky when you call sim racing's game a game. So I went... We're just going to avoid that altogether and get a hobby. And then I've got a whole new controversy of stuff that's happened. So thank you for that, Haynes. How are you going? I think it's. I think that's good, you know. Uh, I, I tease on a lot of my broadcasts when I mention uh, the Locked On <laughs> iRacing podcast. And every time I think I say a different rank and a different section and a different, yeah. a different, different country. Um, but, you know, a lot of episodes for you guys. You get a lot of good feedback. So I'm delighted to be on Greece's number 12 home renovation podcast <laughs> that is probably accurate to be honest uh, we I, I set up Jay the other day we, we hit Turkey's top um, top 50 at the moment so we're going really well over there uh, us turkeys are going well in Turkey surprisingly anyway we, we need to ask the big question straight up mate where do you come up with the puns while you're racing while you're commentating like where do they come from a lot of it is always uh, on the on the cuff, but I don't think I, I don't think I pre prepare any. I just <laughs> constantly thinking of so stupid it's funny that it's not funny stuff, and I just can't s- suffer all by myself. I've just got to share my <laughs> stupid observations and jokes with people, even if it's not entirely relevant and it elicits lots of lots of groans. I, d- I don't. Uh, I don't do it to make myself popular. I just do it to share my suffering. I always oh, yeah, assumed it was to annoy Jason. <laughs> that's just a good byproduct, I suppose. Uh, he's he's come on leaps and bounds. The the more broadcasts I've I've done with him, he um, I think he gives me back about as good as I I, I give him if he or, or sometimes me or I or sometimes uh, he gives you me. literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he loves to he loves to give me a stonewall and and not. Uh, and not, and not react. And Jay, Jay Kennedy too, as well. So I get I get what I deserve for um, the nonsense that I spew. Yeah, you definitely do. Now it's it's the awkward silence I love on the Aussie Car broadcast when I get to watch it back. So let's actually jump into the actual podcast itself. For those listeners who don't know who David Haynes is, and I don't know why they wouldn't know who David Haynes is, but who is David Haynes? Uh well, I'm David. 
I live in Brisbane and I'm sim racing commentator with sim speed race spot and my own team and our subsection huge ass broadcasting corporation um i want to drive more racing cars i've driven a a a couple in 2019 in the u.s including two races at at indianapolis and unfortunately the last uh two years have kept me away from being able to race in the u.s but i've got a bit of credit stacked up and stashed away so when i can get over there uh, you'll you'll see me behind the wheel at uh, at some tracks and uh yeah gosh what else am i known as and for um people yell skrillex at me out car windows <laughs> at traffic lights and uh i think that about about sums it up no, it doesn't sum it up at all. You've left out the whole competitive eating side of your equation. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, aka Hungry Bear as well. Yeah, officially <laughs> Australia's worst ranked competitive eater, number 23 of 23. Um, yeah, it's but still, you're it's in still there. a rank. It's still a it's rank. Still a rank. <laughs> that's it. You're definitely more ranks higher than me anyway. So that's the main thing. So I think that's what's taken our Discord by storm. So you've been pretty active in our Discord since you joined it a, a fair few months ago now. Uh, we've got to show us your meat channel. And we had to delete a few of your posts because they're inappropriate. But <laughs> now you've understand the actual show us your meat channel. And we're seeing burgers plenty. We're seeing subs. We're seeing all kinds of stupid amounts of things. What's What's the most proudest thing you've ever eaten? Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've got three eating challenge wins in the USA because a lot of the stuff in the USA does put us to shame. uh, Instead of eating down under, let's eat 10 kilos of this, please. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I ate, um, uh, the biggest pizza I've ever seen, uh, in, in Washington, DC and like got that for free and then they like posted about me on their website and uh i don't know yeah the i've done a lot of eating challenges and competitions and stuff in australia but to have like also won three in the u.s is like yeah mr worldwide (laughs) now i had this down as a question for later but like do you have to prepare yourself to to do those eating challenges like are you you the the day before already thinking about how you're going to how you're going to achieve it are you having to stop eating eat eat more drink lots of water like what what's the deal yeah so your your stomach is a lot like you know a kid's party balloon kind of thing you know (laughs) you take one you take one out of the packet and if you if you blow it up and then let all the air out, it doesn't look the same as when you first <laughs> took it out of the packet. Once you've you stretched out, you can do the same thing like w- with your stomach functionally. So one of the things I would I would do is like maybe eighteen hours before a competition, eat like a kilo, one and a half kilos of mixed veggies, and then try to drink like. Th- uh, two three liters of water and that that'll like stretch your stomach out something fierce <laughs> and then you have uh you know it, it'll still be in that sort of stretch state like 18 hours later when you're going for an, for an eating competition at what stage did you think this is what i can do with my life <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like it was always 
it was always just for fun. Um, but then, you know, start I beat one eating challenge and I was like, are there any others around Brisbane? I want to win more free stuff. <laughs> have you have you become banned from any places? <laughs> we can't have this guy back, Homer Simpson style at the uh, all-you-can-eat restaurant. I won a pie-eating competition at a place in, in Brisbane. Um, you know, there was like eight competitors or something and I won. And they said the prize was a free pie and a beer every week for a year right yeah so i uh am never in a position to turn down free <laughs> stuff so i went there lunchtime every monday for like the better part of a year and the comp was in like march or something and then the first monday in january when i, I arrived they were like no, we only meant till the end of the year, not for a full 12 months. And it was like, I think they just hadn't thought through that if they offered this, there was someone with the free time to go claim it because <laughs> it was only, you could only claim it at lunchtime on weekdays. So I think they were really oh, hoping really? someone who didn't live in Milton uh, would, would win it and wouldn't be able to go. But there I was every Monday like a hound. You proved them wrong, didn't you? Wow. Um, so what's the, what's the harder job for you working with Jay or, or trying to win these food challenges? I've done a lot more working with Jay and a lot less food challenges lately. <laughs> um, I'd say the food challenges are a more physical pain and working with Jay is more of a mental pain. <laughs> That's fair enough. I understand that. Did completely. he say exactly the same things about me on, on his, uh, interview? I don't know. Did he even know that David Haynes exists when we asked him? Like, I think he just went, I don't know who that is. Only glowing receptions, I think. So now, David, you're going to have to feel bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I can't even remember Jay's interview. It happened so long ago, like two days ago. I can't remember (laughs) a thing about it. Um, So where have you, like, are you going to travel when the borders open up to try and find some interstate challenges? Or are you just going to go back to America and that's where you want to be? I don't even know if I've got that many more food challenges in my oh, future. You've got it's to. Been, I'm off the. I've been off the bandwagon for a bit <laughs> in the last, you know, year and a half and that. So it's like riding a bike. They say. <laughs> I don't, know, don't know if it is, but it might be. Um, and KFC is that is that your favourite restaurant to to venture to? Because I think what you won the hill climb, and that's what you promised yourself if you won the hill climb. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I think I end up at, uh, at at KFC on average once a week. If I wasn't careful, it'd be more than once a week. So I think I try to try to make it a a, a ritual. That's the way to go. So let's let's look. I know Br- uh, Braden had all these things. I should start calling him Brendan, thanks to the other John, but uh, the other Alex. <laughs> sorry, um, but Braden has some actual questions he wants to ask you that relate to actually racing in in that kind of stuff. So you want to take that away, Braden? Well, I guess, where did the passion for motorsport sort of begin? Has it, has it been a long entrenched thing? Has it been a recent thing? Obviously, you said that you've gotten to drive some actual cars. So I'm assuming it's been a passion for a while. I actually thought about this the other day. I was like, when when did it start? All I can All I can remember is I was like five years old trying to pester my parents to program the VCR to record f1 races like while i was asleep um 
So I, I don't think I have a memory of not like staring at cars and 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 watching racing and you know uh, asking for like books about F1 for Christmas and my birthday and uh, receiving them. So I it, it wasn't like oh I was nine and I got struck by lightning and ever since I've <laughs> you know been mad about racing when I couldn't care about it before. I don't remember a time when I wasn't just always thinking about like playing with matchbox cars and watching racing and yeah, just, just always. So how does that evolve? So you're, you're pressuring your parents to record F1 games, oh, F1 races um, all the way through to actually driving in real life. So what point, what did that take? Did you get into cars actually physically racing them early or was it something later on you did? No, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit later on. So um, basically, uh, like, what was that? Start on iRacing in 2014 or so. Team Racing comes out the next year. And a, a league, a US-based league that I'd been racing in, a bunch of the guys like, oh, Team Racing, um, does anyone want to join me for the first um spa 24 uh that year which was going to be basically the first real team endurance event on iRacing and so just a, a bunch of us uh threw it through it together um and won our stupid little split and that was the genesis of team huge ass and what a year after that uh some of the guys were like hey there's this series in the u.s champ car endurance series chomp car world series as it was as it was then where we could we, we could go do a 24-hour race and win just like we did at spa and so then <laughs> end of 2016 comes around um one of the guys with you know more money than sense as is what's necessary to <laughs> to go racing um goes and buys a used spec miata and hj becomes from a, a sim racing team to uh, a, a racing team. And I'd always wanted to get over to the US to race with those guys because I'd, you know, done the sums or whatever. And it's very cost effective and it's awesome to, to you know, race with your iRacing teammates. So yeah. then it actually took until 2019 for that to, you know, uh, fully come to fruition. And I was penciled down to be racing with, Team Huge Ass in the blue MX-5 for the Champ Car Endurance Series Indy Double 10, two 10-hour races at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I flew over there, and the next day uh, they picked me up from the train station, and they're like, so we went to pick up the car from the tuner today to drive to Indianapolis tomorrow, and uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, what? And so we'd already, you know, people had booked flights and accommodation or whatever. And just what, eight or so of us from Team Huge Ass still just went to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I found a different guy on the forums from Champ Car who was still looking for a driver for the race the next day. So I arrive at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and I get in and I've got an email from a guy that says, meet me at this garage at 3 p.m. on Friday and wow. we'll see if we can do a deal. And so I meet um, Chuck from 
some small town in Georgia who'd driven his ute and his trailer a thousand miles to be there. And uh, I was like, hey, man, um, I got 2000 US dollars. Can I drive your race car tomorrow <laughs> uh, here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway? And he said, I like your funny accent, funny accent, man. Yes. <laughs> and so then I was meant to be driving one car and it had broken down on Wednesday. So on Friday, I signed the paperwork to be racing one car. And then on Saturday morning, before I could get in for my stint, that one broke. And he said, okay, you're not in the white car anymore. You're in the orange car. And then I, uh, I got in that as like the third stint about yeah, four or six hours into the race as my like first ever time in that car, first ever time on track at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and my first ever wheel-to-wheel race just out of the pit lane <laughs> into the middle uh, of an endurance race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway um, in like a car that I was only driving because the car I was meant to be driving had broken down that morning because that I was only meant to be driving that car because the other car I was meant to be driving broke down on Wednesday. Surely that was a sign for any team to not put you anywhere near a car. Like <laughs> they're just going to assume that it's just going to break as soon as you go near it. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened because about 10 laps in, the throttle started sticking. Oh no. So that was a fun two hour stint where... I would just have to lift and coast 200 feet into every braking zone because if I didn't, by the time I got to the start of the braking zone, the, the throttle pedal might not come back up <laughs> off the floor. So that was your first actual race, it, it, like in a like a proper a proper race? Yep. <laughs> so obviously the, the, the license regulations for racing in, in the US are very different over here. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what that was makes it great. It's very affordable, and um, I think when I'd registered online, that the form was only capable of accepting U.S. or Canadian drivers' licenses. So as far as that is still concerned, I'm Alabama license one two three four five six seven eight. <laughs> so no one physically cited my driver's license. Either. Wow. How did how did they survive over there in the? Oh my god! I don't know what to do from there. Don't ask um, questions first. Sue later. That's how they work. It's great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and they want you back. Yeah. So with the stuck throttle and my first time driving that car and my first time driving that track and my first time in a race, I was two tenths off the fastest other driver in the car of the five drivers that day and faster than the car owner and his son. And then the Sunday, they tuned the car back a little bit because it was overheating and they brought the rev limit back 200 RPM and I still went faster than the day before. So I ended up with the fastest um, lap of the weekend for the team. Wow. So the transition from you racing with your iRacing team to going to real life, besides the throttle sticking and the cars actually physically breaking down, did you find, obviously there's a huge difference between them because one's real and one's not, but what did you find the difference overall? Sorry, somehow a cat's gotten into my apartment. That's okay, they do that. Do you own a cat? Nope, and it's not my neighbours either. (laughs) 
Oh, it's love just meowing at my bedroom door. Hates. Do I let it in? I don't know. <laughs> Are you sure? I say let actual... it in. Let it join the yeah. podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did we think we were going to get when we invited David Haynes on, Braden? I don't know, but I don't think cat at the door was high on the list of things I was thinking. I won't lie. It's it seriously oh. wandered in off my balcony, but now that I've made eye contact with it, it doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. So. Smart is cat. Is that how humans treat you as well? I was going to say, maybe the cat was meowing Skrillex at you. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going on right now, but uh, I'm, I'm, I think we're good to proceed. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, transition, racing to real life racing. Like, What was that like? <laughs> Easier than I thought, you know, because in that environment, most of it isn't the card dynamics, it's the traffic interaction. So to, to give you an example, um, there are a hundred cars registered for the weekend. About 85 took the green flag on Saturday, about 80 of them, no, probably closer to 70 of them were still running when I got in the car. It was 70 cars on track. Uh, well, it's, it's about four, four and a half kilometers that, that layout. So it was just multi-class <clears throat> traffic out the out the wazoo um so it, it wasn't even about you know oh is trail breaking on iRacing in the mx5 the same as trail breaking a real mx5 it's 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 similar but there's that iRacing sense that we've all got about i can definitely pass this guy or this guy hasn't seen me so i'm not shoving it down the inside here because i can just tell that they haven't they haven't seen me if we've, we've all run a bunch of iRacing endurance events and you kind of build up that sense the people in these races who haven't done that much eye racing don't all have that same sense <laughs> so in, in that regard eye racing uh is a perfect tool to teach you that everyone around you hasn't seen you and doesn't know what they're doing we um, how many today in the petite le mans to be honest yes <laughs> How many laps did you do in the iRacing MX5 before you went over at Indy? Um, not many. Because, um, you know, the iRacing scan of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the current one, doesn't really mesh that well with the extant road course in its current configuration. You know, the the... The S's are different. There's that that whole new change to the uh, what was sort of like the motorbike chicane infield in what's the oval turn one. You've got the uh, uh, ripple strips that are also jumps. Yeah, so we don't run that that chicane. They, you know, the the bigger loop in that same area yep. is what uh, Champ Car ran. But but yeah, so. No, not a, not a, not a whole lot. I didn't think there was actually anything that was going to come across that. And also, currently for the iRacing version, if you want to use that uh, section that's like the last sector of the lap, you have to do the motorbike configuration, which runs in the opposite direction. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. We did watch a lot of um, a lot of videos because I think a month or two months beforehand. I think SCCA runoffs had been on the same layout and there was a lot of video online of 
uh, spec MX five and, and stuff racing there. So the whole HJ team, um, Airbnb, a house like half a mile from the speedway. So there was, uh, eight of us fellas, um, in the HJ party house with a big TV sat around like watching on boards and, and, and stuff the night before. Um, so let, let's, let's try and get back on track again. Um, when did you get into iRacing itself? Like we said, 2014, what was the process of you saw it and you had to do it or what, what, someone got you into it? I think I'd known about iRacing quite a while before I was actually on um, iRacing. I I love to go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and I think maybe even, you know, five, six years beforehand, I've been reading like Wikipedia articles on different tracks, uh, you know, world motorsport tracks and everything. And um, a lot of them, you get to the bottom and it's like in popular culture or in media and it'll say this track is on uh, is available on iRacing as well as Forza Motorsport this and whatever and da-da-da-da-da. And so I think I'd seen iRacing mentioned enough times under Laguna Seca and other <laughs> other tracks that I was like, oh, let's read about iRacing. And I was like, oh, it's expensive. And uh, <laughs> I, I think it was it was like um, 18-year-old me before I like, actually had enough of my own money to yeah. like buy a wheel and 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 pour uh money blindly into the i racing pit yeah um just so people know at home we are three questions into a 30 page document and we're halfway <laughs> through the podcast brayden do you want to take away the next section please well i was just going to say yeah well what did your rig look like at the start then what was what was the first sort of setup that you're you're running once you made that dive into i racing Exactly the same as it looks now, a Logitech G27 clamped to an Ikea desk. That hasn't changed in <laughs> six years. And still winning hill climbs. Yeah. Actually, I'm onto my second G27 because uh, the force feedback failed on one. And at, at some time in the past, my dad had asked me to buy him a, a G27 so that because he was like curious to get on iRacing and then did a month and then was never seen or heard from again on <laughs> iRacing. So it had been sitting uh, in, uh, at, at his house for like a year, not doing anything. I was like, can I pilfer it? He's like, yep. So it's, <laughs> I'm onto the second G27 uh, because I've stolen dad's, but it's, you know, still a G27. Any any hopes and dreams to, to update that anytime soon or or we'll be waiting a little while? Yeah, when Dogecoin hits a dollar, I'm gonna buy a rig and a, a Fanatec Direct Drive. <laughs> Lovely. I don't know. That's my like when I hit the lotto or when cows fly or, or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So obviously you got into iRacing, but what what other racing games did you grow up with? Were you playing before iRacing? I just had a little nostalgia trip the other day, uh, actually, because I saw someone overlaid the original Project Gotham Racing graphics yeah, on top of. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. That was on your Discord. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I never had that, but my uh, my cousin like had an Xbox with that game, and I'd always play that if I was over at their house. And sunk an incredible amount of hours as a nine year old into Need for Speed Underground Two. Oh yeah. Um, so that was, you know, that's not a racing sim, but as a kid, and even now with retrospect, a really just a really fun, you know, game. That that was a coolness sim. Just who could make yeah. the most overtly outrageous JDM looking car you could possibly make, and 
and just smoke everyone in the game because it was so easy to drive. <laughs> it was almost a parody of tuna culture to a point. Because if you think back of like, oh, I've got to reach eight style stars to get on this magazine cover or whatever. And you're just throwing like body kits and window tints and spinner rims and neon underglow <laughs> with no regard for taste or style. You're just throwing things at the car and every conceivable mod until like, yeah, okay, cool. That's eight stars. Put it on a magazine cover. <laughs> hey, my Nissan Pulsar that I had with my blue neons in the footwells says otherwise. Okay. That was incredibly cool. <laughs> <laughs> to you. Yeah. Uh, so, so quick side note, I was, uh, when Project Gotham Racing came out, I was working at EB Games and they put us up with it every year at the Marriott for a bit of a vendor show. And, Project Xbox came along with Project Gotham and said, here's the new racing game. This is going to take the world by storm. This is going to be excellent. So we got to look at it before it came out. And I remember me and about three other people uh, with the the devs, or not the devs, but the actual people who were showing it to us anyway from Xbox, just drooling over the fact that the Speedo actually moved up and down for the first time in a racing game. And we were up to like midnight just, and these guys were like, get out. You've been here too long. But I just want to see the Speedo go up and down again. That's my favourite part. So it's come a long way a little bit, uh, I guess. Uh, but you've got your favourite car to drive in iRacing? Um, oh, for a long time, it was definitely that 991.2 generation GT3 Cup car. Had a lot of uh, a lot of success and a lot of good times and a lot of iRacing gained uh, behind that thing, including... Um, yeah, one of I think that the best like iRacing special event results I've ever had. Twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, we won the second split of iRacing Nurburgring twenty four and completed as many laps as second place had in the top split. Mm-hmm. So, well, I was always pretty competitive in that car, particularly at endurance races, and I did a lot of the. Uh, vln four-hour races solo uh in in that car as well so a lot a lot of hours in that cup car especially at the nurburgring lately i have enjoyed the p217 delara um and you know winning a hill climb in the v the only race i've ever done in the v so <laughs> yet to drive it on a circuit only driven it on the hill climb got to be my favorite car at the moment Okay, cool. No, congratulations on winning winning that. Um, Jacob's still sore about that, but um, yeah, well done on winning that. He's uh, taken to to throwing shade at David over Discord uh, in the Audi <laughs> instead. I think he's <laughs> trying to find anything to beat you. In. <laughs> uh, he put on a really good showing, you know, of the four categories in that Aussie car hill climb. You know, almost all the other ones were won by ten seconds, but me and him yeah. were, you know, a second and a it half was, in the yeah. slowest car. That had the longest <laughs> hill climb times, and it was, and uh, he had me beat in three or four of the sectors as well. So he actually put up a really, really good fight. And if I'd walked over him or vice versa, I don't think either of us would have been actually that happy with it. Yeah. I think I think my favorite part from those broadcasts were the the fist pumps from the both of you. <laughs> <laughs> they were very quality. So how did you get into commentating? We're halfway through the podcast. Let's find out exactly how you got into commentating. Well, from the very, very beginning, it was always something that I just sort of imagined I would be good at. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of us have had the experience where you're watching some sport on TV 
and you say something about it and then two seconds later the actual commentators <laughs> say yeah. it so and true. and you know there's so much more that goes into it than that but in that moment you're like i can do huh. that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so then um overall on the i racing side of things uh 2017ish must have been race spot put out a call that they were looking to to fill out their roster a little bit more and i sent them an email and they said no and i sent them another email <laughs> and they said no and i sent them another email and they said Leave just talk <laughs> talk over the top of like a random rookie mx5 split and send that to us and then for a while at race spot they would put me on any broadcast that no one else wanted to do or it was a clash with you know some other better series that that, that drew away their commentators so my first ever proper iRacing broadcast was a hosted event 12 hour skip barber Jesus. race at the glen so they no one else at race spot wanted to commentate for even like 6 hours of that and it also clashed with something else race spot had to do and from then they just couldn't get me out the door at race like <laughs> I, I got my foot in the door and they couldn't get rid of me at, at race spot and eventually I, I i got slightly better um and and then so i was with race spot for a little while and i segued that into annoying jay that he should like let me onto a couple of broadcasts at sim speed and then um, for a bunch of the stuff that Huge Ass broadcast in-house, um, I sort of led setting that up for the various events. Um, that is a story. Um, I bet you Jay's regretting every bit of that too now. <laughs> uh, have you... Okay, so we talked about you commentating before other commentators watching sport and stuff like that, do you just randomly in, in everyday life, like walking to a dog show and start commentating a dog show to people? <laughs> no, but I, I'd be interested to, I don't know. Cause it, motor racing is all I actually know anything about. <laughs> um, uh, but it would be, it would be fun to just try to commentate on like a junior netball match or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm sure you'd, you'd nail it, hundred percent nail it. Um, have you ever co- you've commented, commentated on some really cool races? Uh, what's your favourite one? It's really stick out. Oh man, that's that is a really deep trove to to get into because since January first, when I started running the spreadsheet, I've done 123 broadcasts this year, and I don't think I'm even as prolific this year as I've been in past. So, um, whew. I don't, I don't know, man. I think so his, who, favorite, his favorite one hasn't happened yet because I still haven't won a race in Aussie Car, so that'll be the day. That'll be the day, <laughs> for sure. I'll have a lot to say on that day, that's for sure. <laughs> Is there a person that you like to commentate with? Go on, pick someone out. Say your favorite. Um, And don't say few ones. If you say that, I'm, we're ending the podcast now. <laughs> I don't know. Someone who doesn't talk that much, so I can talk as much as I as I want to, <laughs> without feeling guilty. So you didn't like Ryan Jones, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, you know, it's 
two and a one doesn't go you can't fit both of us yeah. <laughs> um we had one from alex who could who couldn't join us one thing that he he sort of mentioned is that what he really loves about listening to the aussie car broadcast back is how spot on your insights are into the race like the amount of times he said that um you've basically expressed exactly what he was thinking at the exact same point in the race it's it's almost uncanny and sort of shows how good you are at doing it how do you is that come from just the experience of doing the racing yourself and then commentating so much or you know where does that come from because it, it he's spot on in saying so many times you get exactly what is happening in the race without actually being a part of the race i think you can tell who's a broadcaster because they're a good talker and who's a broadcaster because they they love racing they like maybe like a little bit good at racing and like understand the the racing i mean i i guess it just it just helps that i'm I'm talking about what i would be thinking as a driver in those situations and not everyone's going to share uh for example mckellar's opinion but there's got to be in a in a grid of 40 a couple racing drivers wired the same way my racing brain is and uh, i have a lot of data plenty of timing stuff and multiple angles at my disposal to to look at when i'm broadcasting as well so i hope i not only commentate on the picture that's in front of me what you see on the broadcast but also draw information from other places to 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 go into it what's it like commentating for for big broadcasters such as simspeed tv and race spot like what's what's the behind the scenes stuff like it can be intimidating actually um maybe less so for um you know australian leagues on a weeknight on on sim speed but i think i actually you know seriously get some butterflies if i've got to lead one of the iRacing special events and there's 5000 dutch people watching cuz verstappen is leading like you, you got to just not think about how many people are uh are, are listening so that's what i actually love is i uh i've got no nerves on on sim speed for stuff like like aussie car i'm just uh I'm, i think i'm a lot more relaxed i liked um the video that you put out showing you commentating the end of the race uh, i forget which race it was what race was that the other day uh it was um simrigs.com australian oh, production yes. car e-series that's right uh, and just seeing your eyes darting between the live footage, the timing, the uh, like everything that's going on, it was actually really interesting to see. It was really interesting for me to see because I've actually, as I said uh, on my social media posts with the video, I'd never pointed a camera at myself in like that kind of moment of the broadcast and actually seen reflected what I do in that situation. And it was sort of crazy for me to watch back one it was kind of embarrassing because I, I i think i look kind of silly in that moment like the audio by itself with the pictures of the cars looks fine but when you see my face and expressions it's maybe a little a little overblown but it's fun for me to watch it back and see where my eyes are going matches up with what i'm thinking and what i'm saying like there's a moment where i'm talking about jack boyd having one from pole and i see my eyes look up to the timing screen in the middle of that sentence and i'm verifying 
from the positions gained that Jack Boyd did actually start <laughs> on pole. And like I start a sentence and then I see my eyes go to one of the screens to make sure that the finish of that sentence is actually correct. <laughs> yeah. Or if where I'm going with that sentence is going to, is going to make sense. So I hope people who saw that found it funny or <laughs> insightful because I was, I was actually this close to not posting it, like how silly I thought I looked and I still feel like I look in that situation, but I, yeah, it was I good think, learning. To, I think it's you know, less about like what it looks like. I think if you had transported that exact same video, green screened the background into a commentary box of a racing track, it would feel completely normal. But I think it's just that idea that we do this stuff from our house and we're not actually out on a racetrack that almost makes it seem like you shouldn't be that excited or you shouldn't be that intense with what you're doing. And that, that's probably what makes you feel that awkwardness, I guess. And that's that's what I think anyway. I think if you had done that exact same thing at a real life track on, on, on a camera, you'd be like, yeah, of course, that's what it would be like watching an intense battle. But how often do we actually get to see the commentators on track, like it, you don't, on the screen? Yeah. You don't. So it's it's something that I'm sure that they look like it, and yeah, it's yeah. just that we and don't even, get to see it. Even for like Sky Sports F1, when they show uh, Crofty and, and Brundle or on Race Spot before uh, Petit Le Mans today, they showed uh, Arjuna Kankapati and Tyler Maxson. It wasn't during the action. It was no. like a segment to camera before yeah. the racing. Even in, in any form of uh, like professional motorsport broadcasting, you never see the commentators while the action is in play. And you shouldn't, and you don't want to. It's a distraction no, from what the story I'd hate to see series version of, of that <laughs> video. Yeah. It's, a, it's well, a distraction from what the real story is, which is the cars that you're, exactly. you're, you're looking at. So, well, I, I don't know how many, uh, if either of you are into like the UFC or anything, for instance, but if you've ever watched back, um, quite often the UFC will put up videos of their commentators' reactions whilst they're commentating mid-fight. And it's amazing as well. Oh, yeah, it is a little bit. And they're like <laughs> hanging off each other. They've got arms over each other. They're like standing up out of their seat. Like, I think that's what most commentators would be like, you know, maybe not quite as much because being in like a UFC fight, it would be pretty intense. But like, you know, there's that animation. It's not just in their voice. It's in their bodies. It's in it's in the, the whole thing. There might be a lot of baking powder in the green room for them as well. <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> Uh, um, has there been a commentary moment that sticks out to you whether it's been your own or someone else's real life sim Ooh. you know Leo Barry you star not if you not if you hadn't like given me that question in advance I might have had an answer <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we're not that prepared to be honest <laughs> <laughs> oh you wrote that question like a minute ago I'm still trying to find it on the sheet, to be honest. Um, oh, that's okay. You, you can always just say working with Jason, Jason Fewens and, and feeling like you're way better than you actually are because of the person you're working with. That's fine. You can say that. He's come on leaps and bounds. I was. It, it was. It was. It was tough. Maybe the first one or two broadcasts, but then either he's warmed up to it or he's learned how to, you know. Uh, in the gaps around my ego or whatever. Oh, we're a pretty good team now. I would agree with that. Um, how how hard is it, I suppose, to, to concentrate with 
you know the multiple people in your ear when you're trying to do the commentary is there is there times where you're just like jay be quiet (laughs) i don't need this information or 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 whoever it is you're working with at race spot or does it seem to to gel pretty naturally that's one of the differences actually between race spot and and sim speed is on sim speed often jay kennedy will talk in our ear that the the people watching the broadcast can't can't see um but that really never happens on on race spot they do a lot more text chat and and stuff i'm totally okay with that you can tell often some people uh struggle with that but i've actually like learnt to still be able to talk while at the same time listening to to what's in my ear so i'm all good with that but occasionally i'll watch like some other sim speed broadcasts and some commentators, you can kind of tell they, they sort of pause while they're listening to what Jay's telling yeah. to them. Or very often I hear um, Reese Gardner say something and I know <laughs> he's repeating verbatim what Jay Kennedy has just said in his ear because it's phrased the way that Jay says it. And if you don't know and you haven't heard Jay speaking in your ear, it's fine because it's like Reese Gardner coming in with like a really clutch update and that's how it should work. Um, but, but I can, you know, I... When you know what happens behind the curtain, when you're watching what's in front of the curtain, you can kind of guess what's what's happening on the other side. How is it the how is it how hard is it to not respond to Jay sometimes? Like when you're listening to him and, and you feel like telling him to something and then not saying that on the broadcast. Every now and again, I do actually name check Jay on the broadcast, um, but maybe sort of you know in a more sort of third person way, like yeah. uh, you know. This guy's running in third and he is fueled to the end, despite what Jay Kennedy might tell me. Or, you know, like if Jay Kennedy's just like, I think this guy's going to need one more stop. And I'm like, I'm looking at my timing screen and no, if they're doing 33 lap stints and he pitted with 34 to go and it looks like he's stretching it, I think he's fine. You know, so I mean. So you have a dig at him without having a dig at him. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you say something that's clearly directed at him, but it's not, you know. Directed at him. Do you find yourself rooting for for drivers sometimes? Is that sometimes in the middle of a race, you're like, oh, I really hope this one pulls it off, and you you kind of you're sort of on on their team, so to speak. Or, or rooting you... against people like Braden. Like, yeah, no, I that's that happened to me today. You know, I'm I'm trying to stay impartial, but p- part of me, a racing fan, is watching like this, this great battle for the lead in VCO Petit Le Mans, and I'm like. Man, I really hope SRC Movano Corsa can can pull this off against Redline. And I don't say that, and I can't say that. But in, like in the back of my mind, I'm kind of like I, I am cheering for, for an underdog. Or um, uh, hmm. uh, Govan Keeney was in that race, and I wasn't cheering for him to like not get a top ten. But I was also not going to be sad if like <laughs> something happened to him in that race. So. Yeah, I mean, you can't help, you know, occasionally developing a favourite or if someone you know is in the race or whatever, but I hope, because you've asked me that question, that I normally sound relatively impartial. Yeah, no, you definitely do. How much preparation do you put in before before a broadcast? Obviously, now you've done, like you said, hundreds and hundreds of races, so you, you would know a fair bit about the tracks and and things like that now, but how much do you put into making sure you know what's going on in the series and, you know, who are the drivers to look out for, those kind of things? 
Um, sometimes I'm going in a little blind, um, and we, we pick it up as we go, depending on how much notice I had that I was commentating that particular series. But for some of the bigger stuff, especially these, you know, um, you know, Neo Endurance series, uh, now 24 hour series, esports and sports car open and the iRacing special events and all that stuff, the, the, the biggest leagues and the biggest audience kind of stuff. Um, race spot put together their own briefings that have, you know, all of the information tabled, um, sports car open put together briefings for the commentators. So the league puts them together so that we, you know, correctly say everything, um, correctly. And then, yeah, I do spend a little bit of idle time, you know, perusing through the discords of, you know, racing series and whatever. So I, I follow what's going on and try to live and breathe some of the series that I then have to go and go and talk about. Although the Aussie car discord needs to be far more organized for me to <laughs> jump back in there too often. You hear that, Ira? You've got to get with this some, discord sorted out. <laughs> with some categories of like current series up the top and discontinued ones down the bottom and idle chat in a different section, go and miss. <laughs> well, I'm, it, glad, it, I'm glad he doesn't have access to our back-end team chat. That's the main thing. So. <laughs> it's, I, a, it's a mess. I, I guess it, it is super important, I suppose, have that background knowledge because I know that you know, you go back and watch a broadcast that you're racing and it can be one little one little comment that you go, hold on a second, that's not quite right. <laughs> and, and, and it loses that sort of authenticity. Um, I loved the um, back when Fuin started and he was talking about, um, both of these I think were talking about fuel strategy or tyre tra- strategy in an enduro. And we're like, I'm watching the broadcast going, we're not changing tyres in this race at all, <laughs> the whole way through. And you guys, and the, uh, yeah, so stuff like that, I guess, Brain's talking about. Yeah, or like, you know, no points for a fastest lap or, you know, just little little things that only you would only know if you were a driver. If you were watching the series just because you were watching the series on SimSpeed or whatever, you wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. But if, no. if it's a driver watching it back, you, you'd pick you'd pick up on it, I suppose. Yeah, and that's the thing. Are we are we making these broadcasts for some people who might idly scroll past on their weeknight or specifically to entertain its exact participants yeah i mean you you, you want to get the little stuff right and when people yeah. know it, yeah, you, you, and that's it that's embarrassing but <laughs> on the same time like if it's only the drivers in the series who complain about it and everyone else is like yeah no sounds good that's good racing right, yeah. loved that's watching exactly that right. i don't know maybe you can get away with that from time <laughs> to time 100 percent, 100 percent. um have have you Got any, I suppose, real world commentators that you've you've based anything off or you've watched and, and thought, yeah, I really would like to implement the things that they do in into your commentary? All the time I'm watching any other racing and I watch a whole bunch of racing from, you know, like IndyCar and IMSA and supercars and, and, and everything else. Every time I'm watching motorsport and I'm listening to the commentators for that series, there's always something I'm like, man, I wish I could sound like as good in the moment as this commentator or that commentator. And then, you know, there's always going to be a commentator that just grinds on you a little bit and you're like, oh, I would be enjoying this racing more if it wasn't that person covering that and this is why. So, yeah, always, always trying to st- uh, steal something or, or, or be influenced from other commentators. 
probably not a popular opinion, but I love some of Lee Diffie's play-by-play. It's like underrated how he jumps in and he's like, number 48 BMW around in the final corner or something. Like he, he, he just, he doesn't stumble over it at all. And he doesn't really yell. And he's just, I don't know, it just sounds right in the moment, even if overall the production behind like NBC on IndyCar and IMSA is like trash with how much ads they have and yeah. how he spends half of his time not commentating the racing, but being like, this camera brought to you by insurance mm. company. Yeah. You know, I, think- well, I started watching Indy at the start of the year and I think Lee impressed me more than anything else on those broadcasts. Um, is there a series that you watch religiously at the moment? Like are you still F1 every week or every race or at Indy or anything like that? Definitely watching every race of F1. I watched the last four or five of IndyCar, um, you know, as well as just picking up races of IMSA. And I think I watched every race so far of S5000 and uh, Australian TCR. I thought that was like like really good racing. I like that. And I'm excited later this year for S5000 at Mount Panorama. But we were just talking about it, I think might have been with Jay or Mike, how, you know, we're really hoping that the TCR series takes off and, and can kind of push supercars that more bit more than they need. You know, supercars have been very safe as being Australia's premier racing league by a country mile for a long, long time, and they haven't really had any competition. So we'd love to see that TCR competition really. Obviously, it probably won't ever get to supercars level, and that will still be the premier rating, racing category, but at least make them innovate and, and push them a bit further. It's been great, the contrast between TCR and supercars to highlight what's great about supercars and their teams and their broadcast and their events versus some of the stuff that, as you say, they have been able to be complacent on for the last two decades because oh, what else are you going to watch? Also, Bathurst 1000 is like the, the peak of everything ever in Australian yeah motorsport so yeah no it is it is good um to to watch what happens in tcr and then how they're like free to wear fully free to wear seven broadcast and you know willingness to try new stuff that supercars wouldn't venture how that 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 contrast it shows what's great and what's been complacent with supercars and there absolutely is room for them to coexist as well yeah. when supercars teams will let their drivers drive in in both both of them really should be able um, to exist, even if obviously supercars sort of um, uh, vetoed TCR as a support category several times. <laughs> I think what I've loved about racing recently is, especially after really only getting back heavily into motorsport again in the last probably, I guess, 18 months to two years, it was always sort of, I was I was very much a massive V8 supercar fan and, you know, would have, you know, 6am Bathurst breakfast, watch the whole day, you know, from when I was a kid all the way through to sort of my late teenage years before I sort of fell out of it for other sports and just busy life and uni and stuff like that. But what I've really enjoyed about now going back is like how much variety of racing you can actually watch. And like the fact that, you know, DTM streams their races on YouTube, you can watch IMSA races on YouTube, you can head over to like, um, you know, the Goodwood Festival of Speed was done on on youtube you know the amount of races you can get just by streaming them um from overseas means that you know there barely goes a weekend 
where you can't watch some kind of racing. Whereas back in the day for me, if it, if it wasn't a supercars or I wasn't up staying, uh, staying up till, you know, past midnight to watch a formula one race, you know, that was all the racing you could get. Yeah. Agree. Which um, is really, really cool. So we, we've skipped the whole, like we're at the, at the end, but mainly Braden wanted to know about your track knowledge. Cause that's what impresses him the most. I think. Uh, when he listens to your broadcast, it seems like you've been to every track or you at least know how to pronounce every corner on every track, um, except for Interlagos, <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> but where, where's all that come from? What tracks have you been to? What's your favourite tracks? Tell us about that. I think I think we just don't shut up about it any time <laughs> where it, uh, like a series is racing at Mid-Ohio, VIR or Indianapolis. I mean... It, it it only needs to be every second track that I bring it up and it sounds like um every <laughs> every track. Um and then I also am a fan of, you know, trying to do the pronunciation of the the local names. I think, you know, last season of Aussie Car we were at uh Zolder. It doesn't get that much love. So no one else knows uh, you know, quite how to say um uh what's it? Something harsh spelled bocht. And like, um, yeah, so like, damn it, I've forgotten it already. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have to use it for another six to 12 months because no one will go back to Zolder anyway. <laughs> do you, so you sit there and practice those names or like what tracks have you actually been to? That's what I'm keen to find out. Okay. So um, been to the Australian Grand Prix many a time. I've been yeah. to... Queensland Raceway and done some track days at Queensland Raceway. I've been to Lakeside and Morgan Park. I've been to Sydney Motorsport Park. Been to Bathurst. Um, Gold Coast. Yep. Um, I think that's it for Australian tracks. US, I've raced at Indianapolis. I did a track day, well, no, practice session. Um, at VIR, I've been there a couple of times, um, went to watch IndyCar at Mid-Ohio. I've walked around the St. Petersburg street circuit. I've ridden a bike around Belle Isle. Um, what, what was VIR like? Cause that place just like from when you look at it from above and you see all the different layouts and different cutouts and stuff it, it just looks like a massive place VIR is pretty cool um I, I, I'm dying for iRacing to update the version that they've got because it is just visually out of date it doesn't look that good and I think that puts some people off VIR when it's actually like really fun um to drive so i'm hoping it gets that kind of graphical update there's a little bit of pizzazz that's uh, that road atlanta and road america and some of the other u.s tracks and the glen has um has picked up there's a lot of layouts but not really many of them get actually used for racing yeah and uh there's a little bit of everything there as well like i stayed in one of the hotel rooms that's above the the pit lane there um for a 24-hour race and it, it's not a good idea during a 24-hour race because <laughs> you can just hear the cars um but otherwise like it's it's cool that they've got all these like 
hotel rooms and stuff beside the track that overlook it. They've got a great cart track there. There's a bunch of other stuff I haven't been able to to get to, but they've got like a day spa and a shooting range and it's like standard anything you could possibly want to do on a box party. They've got there at VIR and we'll sell you a package for it. <laughs> <laughs> and did you say you got to do some racing there? Uh, I drove in Friday practice session before um, the VAR 24 hours on uh, in 2019, but I didn't drive in the race. What was the what was the driving experience like there? It's very undulating, quite a, quite a big track. So that was like just a couple of weeks after I'd been at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and different because there's nothing at the IMS road course that's actually that scary everywhere you could lock up and run deep is like a paved escape road um and that is not the case at at vir and pretty flat ims is pretty flat as well obviously being a road course and an oval so so there's a couple scary like surprisingly scary corners at vir that are like a tough on the sim but in 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 person even 10 laps in you're like I know I can break here, but I don't really want to. So <laughs> one of them is into Oak Tree because you know you get in a little bit too hot. You're not going to follow the tightening corner around the Oak Tree and the tire barriers are right there. And the other one is, of course, ro- roller coaster because you just can't damn see it. And it's a, a big braking zone into a corner that's also difficult because the track drops away as you turn into it and the rear wants to get loose there. So several ways to get in trouble there. And it's in it, at first quite intimidating. I can't so remember exactly. Tree, is Oak Tree just... where we got Jeremy Bush into yeah. the tree? <laughs> That's exactly what I was just about to bring up. <laughs> is this something I said? I think yes, it was, yeah. <laughs> I think, Je- uh... Jeremy came around the corner and hit the tree. And then you said that's uh, something about the bush and the tree. I don't know what it was, but it was... Um... <laughs> A lot of people's favourite line from that race. Anyway, I have to imagine it's the kind of thing that I'd been waiting a long time to say, <laughs> and then the opportunity came, and I was like, "No, we can't, we can't ruin this joke on a weak opportunity. We have got to wait till the moment is right." Yeah, I think and there's that was a lead up to it as well. So you actually build it up to to, to come up, coming up with it too. So um, yeah, it was it was everyone's favourite at the time. What's the future look like for young David Haynes? Um. A lot more broadcasts. Um, hoping to chain together a couple races in the US next year. That's that's really my goal. I won the uh, Champ Car Sim Series in 2019, for which the prize was an entry into a race of my choice, and I haven't been able to go to use that. So that's been burning a hole in my pocket for 12 months, knowing when I can get to the US, I can pick whatever, you know, track I want I want to race at, be it Daytona or Watkins Glen or Road America or Mid-Ohio or Indianapolis again or Laguna Seca or, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other tracks they go to that I can't even think to name um, right now. And then it's not in my account yet, but I've been reliably told that I'm getting 
back paid in further champ car credit for I'm the lead commentator of the champ car iRacing series now for the last two seasons. So hopefully um, just driving a lot of crap cans at a lot of very beautiful tracks. <laughs> so you just got to wait for the borders to open, I guess, and then you're going to figure out that'll be, all, that'll be exciting. So we'll have to catch up with you after you do all that. Biggest question we need to ask you, though, is who do we get on the podcast next? Who do you get on the podcast that you haven't had on the podcast yet? I reckon you should get someone sort of grassroots-ish in the Australian motorsport scene that's also prevalent uh, on iRacing. So I'm thinking like a, a Ryan Kasher or a Darren Whittington or, um, you know, the, the, the kind of guys that we, we see every week in some some leagues, but they're also at Queensland Raceway, at Morgan Park, at Winton, at Wakefield, you know, driving XLs or HQs or or something because those are some people that are going to give you some great insight into like who's coming up in Australian motorsport, but also how it relates to, uh, to eye racing. Now, before we do wrap things up, I would be remiss if I didn't check in on you and see as a fellow preliminary final uh, loser, how you are traveling after Geelong's, pathetic performance in the Premier League final. And I can say that because my team was just as pathetic. Uh, I was only sad for a short amount of time and then I got over it. The grand final loss a year ago, I ugly cried. Like, <laughs> um, that was... Uh, there were, That was like the Saturday night that state championships were at QR or something. So Mia and I were at... Um, QR on Saturday and then um, she stayed at my place because it's closer to QR and we watched the grand final and then like like went back on Sunday and I was like she doesn't care at all about AFL and I'm like watching the grand final like um, uh, half cut and just like crying after half time <laughs> oh, emotionally very stressful I know how that feels. I was a 17-year-old in 2007 when you decided to make my team the most embarrassing team ever and I was just speechless for like three days. I just didn't want to look at a football. Football was my whole life. I didn't want to see a football. I didn't want to look at a news article. I just wanted to hide away for the rest of eternity after that. So I understand uh, devastating grand final losses. (laughs) They're not very fun. Um, so I don't, as a Parramatta Real supporter, I don't even know what grand finals look like. So, um, (laughs) look, thank you so much, David Haynes, for joining us. We just need a quick cat update. Is the cat come back? I stopped hearing it, so I assume it realised I was not going to pat it or feed it, and it decided (laughs) it would jump back onto my balcony and go annoy someone else, somewhere else. Hopefully the cat's fine. That's all that, that was, matters. It was honestly, it was surreal. I could kind of hear it, and I closed my, um, I closed my window here, and I could still hear it. And then I looked over my shoulder, and it was like at my bedroom door. <laughs> it's like, not only do I not have a cat, my friend who lives 
in one of the other apartments in this building. That's not his cat. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I don't know what happened then. Anyway, uh, where can people find your content if they want to catch up with you or they want to give you a car to drive before it breaks down? Uh, see, every car, even if it has broken down, I've like brought it back to the pit lane in one piece. Even when the throttle sticks open, I didn't put it into a wall. I was like, oh, um, let's put the clutch in and 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 then work it out from there. Um, look, they, I'm on Facebook with a Facebook page where I intermittently post things about real world racing that I'm doing and sim racing broadcasts that I'm doing and videos where I look kind of silly, but Braden assures me it's only because the incongruity of my excitement versus I'm like <laughs> sitting in my bedroom. Um, that's uh, slash David Haynes racing on Facebook, Twitter. I'm at David Haynes racing. Um, I think that's, I think that's just about it. If people want to send me heaps and heaps and heaps of money, my PayPal is <laughs> David Mark Haynes at gmail.com. Okay, and don't, cool. don't forget to check you out on Twitch where you're uh, oh. sometimes driving some trucks. Sometimes you're, uh, I think I saw Age of Empires the other day. Yeah, I gave that a go. Not many people watched, so we'll see. <laughs> and I'm not as good at that as I am at the other the other things that I play. Yes, that's twitch.tv slash David Haynes Racing again. There you go. So, Brain, where can people find you, mate? Yeah, uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash the1dwade. Um, I'm actually thinking, because I haven't been streaming my races because, you know, nervous and, and stuff, I might actually at least start recording them and I might chuck them up on the YouTube channel. So uh, YouTube channel is also the1dwade. So I may start putting some races up on there uh, if you want to see me racing. And uh, you can find me at Twitter or on Twitter at Braden Talks. You know, you can always put it up on our YouTube channel, Locked On Lads YT is a is a place you can find us. Locked On Lads on Facebook, Locked On Lads on Twitch, Locked On Lads on Twitter, I guess. Uh, that's the main places. Contact us at lockedonlads.com.au, like our Slovenian friends did when I chatted them out. Uh, also, that's probably it. Just find us that way. You can do that. Uh, I'll be streaming on twitch.tv slash lockedonlads a fair bit. Uh, when I can in the future. Um, but thank you so much, David Haynes, for joining us today. It was an absolute uh, blast. Uh, I can't wait to see what you eat next uh, and what you race next and what you and, and listen to you when I finally catch the broadcast of Mid-Ohio because I haven't had a chance. Uh, any final things you want to say to, about Jay Kennedy before we go? Um, he works a lot harder than people think or, or recognise. Like, he... He's even well before broadcasts putting together like B-roll footage that gets, you know, played between sessions and he's doing camera work on some of the iRacing broadcasts at, at 3 a.m., um, you know, doing some European split VRS thing at like midday and then, you know, our Australian series in the evening, he is a machine and really good rapport with him. I feel like we're always on the same page about what battles we should be showing, et cetera. So uh, uh, he's a good bloke, a little bit uh, a little bit biting sometimes, a little bit self-depreciating, but a very good worker. And uh, I've also got to say people should follow Team Huge Ass on YouTube where we broadcast the Champ Car iRacing series. 
Okay, cool. Excellent. Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time. We will catch up with you after you go overseas and do some more racing for sure. Uh, But have a good day because it is Sunday morning and we'll talk to you again soon.